Hey everybody, Chris Fafalius here. If you enjoy One Hit Thunder, which I'm assuming you do considering you're listening to it right now, I want to tell you about another great music podcast on the Evergreen Podcast Network. It's called Riffs on Riffs. On this season of Riffs on Riffs, hosts Toby Braswell and Joe Watson are breaking down one iconic pop song each week. Everything from Taylor Swift's Cruel Summer to Journey's Don't Stop Believin' to Naughty by Nature's OPP. Each week, they crack open the song, trace its history, decode those cryptic lyrics, and unearth the hidden gems in its musical DNA. Not only do they dive into the song's history, lyrics, and impact, they also go down some fun and oftentimes hilarious rabbit holes. So yeah, if you're a fan of One Hit Thunder, I think you'll also enjoy Riffs on Riffs. So go hit that subscribe button on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your pods. Open Gangnam Style Gangnam Style After years of success in South Korea, Psy's global crossover hit Gangnam Style may have been the beginning of a K-pop boom in the States that's still happening today. This week on the podcast, Matt and I talk with nerdcore rapper Lexi the Lexicon artist who wanted to discuss this mega hit, his other songs worth checking out, and how Psy fits in with other nerdcore artists. One hit is all you need to make the money guaranteed, and you can live off royalties forever. And it makes me wonder is it just a wonder or is it one hit thunder? All right, so today our guest is Lex, the Lexicon artist, and we are talking about Psy. And Lex, you have a unique perspective on Psy that Matt and I may not have because you grew up in Taiwan. So we can start with that right off the bat. Were you still living in Taiwan when Psy came out or were you already here? I was right on the cusp of moving from Taiwan to the U.S. When Gangnam Style came out, that was 2012. It was July 2012. And I moved to the U.S. around uh, August of 2012. So you got to see both sides, but it was a it was a worldwide hit, right? It was it was a hit everywhere. Yeah, absolutely. Probably the number one song there as well. I'm assuming. Yeah, I'm trying to recall if it was. I think it was. I think that yeah, it was making waves, obviously, like in the Asian circles. But I don't think it was until August when I made it to the U.S. and moved there for college that I really started seeing like the viral impact that the song was having on like my communities and on you know the the students in my dorm at the college campus in my dorm was where I f- was first hearing this song being like pumped out and like loudspeakers and stuff. So I think that it might have had even a bigger impact on the West than it did in the East, because maybe people in the East, you know, were already familiar with this artist. Were people that you knew able to do 
this dance that is associated with this song because it seems like you have to be a real athlete. <laughs> this, isn't, this isn't the Macarena or something. This is this is a serious dance. I guess it's emulating riding a horse is a big part of it. I feel like if I did this dance for 30 seconds, I would be drenched in sweat. <laughs> I mean, if you watch Sai doing it live, he is, he's also drenched in sweat, but he does it like perfectly. Yeah. My opinion is I think there are some parts of the dance that are more difficult than others. Definitely the sexuality part where his legs just go go crazy and yeah. that part I can't do and that part <laughs> I think is the you know the part that a professional dancer can really do the horse riding I think like most people can master you know I think a lot of people are able to master that you know suffice to say like Sai choreographs most of his stuff and you know he's a professional dancer so definitely all the signature moves that he comes up with are a little more complicated than the Macarena true so I have a question obviously like here in the States, this was the first time any of us had heard of Psy, but doing research for this, I mean, he definitely was a controversial figure pretty much right at the start of his career. Were you aware of him pre-Gundam style or was this also your first introduction to him? I was not aware of him pre-Gundam style. However, I was aware of K-pop and this is something that I think is really important to bring up is Psy is definitely like an international one hit wonder. It's definitely garnered views and it's definitely not a flop, I think, like his later releases. But as far as like a really, really big splash, I think like Gangnam Style, like that's it, you know? Uh, however, he's definitely like famous in Korea, right? Like He had a career before this in Korea and he was doing what he wanted essentially. And when Gangnam Style dropped, it just happened to blow up. Now, I personally was not aware of him, but I was aware of like other types of K-pop, like other bands. And, you know, around that time, K-pop was like popular in the East, but I don't know if it had like gigantic international appeal. And by that, I mean, you know, there were a couple of bands like, you know, Girls' Generation, like Big Bang and... You know, I'm trying to think of other bands, 21, you know, there's some big bands that were, you know, kind of making splashes and some like partially English songs during that time in the early 2010s, you know, late 2000s. But, you know, I, I went back on the Gangnam Style video and I looked at all the comments and uh, it confirmed something that I'd been su- suspecting for a while, which is for a lot of people... Gangnam Style was the first K-pop song that they had heard ever. Yeah, absolutely. I'm saying this slightly tongue in cheek, but also kind of sincere. Like you could make an argument that BTS wouldn't be this massive group that they are if Psy didn't kind of open that door because you two are musicians. I'm not. But I feel like this song is a very important song in the way that it shows how YouTube slowly took over the music industry. <laughs> Absolutely. I, that was the argument that I was going to make, which is I think BTS and Blackpink, you know, like the new generation of K-pop, like they would not have had this opportunity of a breakthrough if Psy had not happened. And here's why I think that's true. Like some people might argue with me, but I think Gangnam Style really brought Korean music and Korean identity to the forefront because before that, I'm sure that, you know, barring everyone in Asia who already knew what Koreans were, like, there are a lot of people in Western society who are like, okay, so this is Chinese food. This is Japanese food. Um, well, now, what is this? Like, what, what is this song that, what is this language that he's singing in? I don't, I don't recognize this. Oh, it's Korean? 
it's right. Korean. Oh, so there's a country called Korea. And now from there, it just had this like really gigantic international explosion. People actually knew what, you know, Koreans were. I would argue that it put it on the international scene, the Western scene in particular, uh, paving the way for this like even bigger explosion of K-pop that you're seeing right now. Yeah, for sure. And I think back on this song and I, I mean, it, it, as a lot of the songs are on a podcast about one hit wonders think of the song as a novelty song uh you know it's for sure i think that if there was a novelty section in the record store this would be at the forefront of that of that section (laughs) but now when i i watched the music video today and i think at the Mm -hmm. time i kind of just like wrote it off i'm like oh whatever this is another stupid song that's on the radio and i watched the music video today i'm like this is pretty funny this is this is this is good this is funny and it's also, I was like, man, I wish I could go, go back to 2012 when things were so I much. I know, right? Oh, God, <laughs> don't remind me. <laughs> Remember the time when, when Gangnam Style was this giant thing and that was something that <laughs> something that we would think about? <laughs> uh, yeah. So that, was, that was something that I actually wanted to get some clarity. Um, and I, I imagine Lex is going to be the person who understands it better than I will. But like... There's part of me that feels like there's two ways that people watch the music video. And I would say plainly that it's people who are in on the joke and people who aren't in on the joke. And I think that there's the one group that's like they look at Gundam style and they're like, oh, this is just a version of like the stereotypes that we've seen on The Simpsons and everything else that like Asians. Yeah. 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 Asians are crazy. Uh But then like you like find out like, no, like the song is satire. Yes from the start and if i'm understanding correctly from the research i read referring to something as gundam style is kind of like how we in the states look at like portland or like beverly hills as like hyper hipster areas is that correct or am i off with that uh yeah you're you're pretty much on the money with that so like disclaimer i don't speak korean i am part korean i have like some some korean background uh so i'm familiar with like just a little bit but i don't speak the language very well and i will not say that i am korean by any means however i have also done my research on what this song means when people say gangnam style gangnam or gangnam in in korean refers to south of the river gang meaning river and nam meaning south so south of the river specifically is referring to a certain district in Seoul where uh, it really quickly developed after I think the 1980s or 1990s becoming this really hyper luxurious, hyper commercialized, very fancy, very high-end expensive brands area. Uh, So people who are from there tend to be like the stereotype is that they're very materialistic or they love expensive bags or they love to show off their wealth. So in a way, I think it's more like Beverly Hills than Portland. I don't know if like the hipster component is there as much as much but like this the concern about status and money is definitely there and i would say that gangnam style is supposed to be a satire on the people who live there and who like like to show off their wealth so essentially the video is kind of like that too it's basically sai showing you know two different sides of a person one side is kind of bragging about how they're gangnam style it's like uh, in the song there's some lyrics i you know i know the general idea i don't know the direct translation but 
you know, he's talking about what kind of girl he's looking for. He's saying like, I want a girl that can can afford a nice cup of coffee. I want a girl who's like, you know, lady during the day and goes wild at night and likes to party, but is like really classy. And he also talks about what kind of guy he is. He's talking about, you know, I can like, you know, one shot a coffee, you know, like I, I just, you know, drink a coffee. Like- so so I, I pulled up the translated lyrics yeah. and my favorite line is, I'm a guy who downs his coffee in one gulp before it even cools down. Yeah. Which yeah, is yeah. like <laughs> such a weird bragging right. And I love it. Yeah. It, he's trying to show this like kind of idea of toxic masculinity, I think, in a way where people are more concerned about, you know, how they're looking instead of, you know, the the content. But he also says, like, I have more ideas than muscles. Like my ideas are bulging and not my muscles. So he's making fun of himself too for not being like the typical gorgeous K-pop idol. But essentially he's saying that there's people who say these things, but actually they look kind of ridiculous. And that's what the video is about, right? Like he's he looks like he's being really fancy, but he's sitting on the toilet. Or like he looks like he's swimming in a pool, but he's He's in he's in the public bathhouse, right? <laughs> One of the interviews I read was that he made the video to be intentionally unhip to make fun of how hip Gundam style is, mm-hmm. which I thought was like, I mean, that was something that I would have had I not read that interview would have just went right over my head. But yeah, I agree with that. And the funny thing is that you touched on this really important point, which is I think the video part of the reason the video went viral. There are a lot of reasons, but one of the reasons I think it went viral was um, it really fits with this goofy Asian stereotype in the West. Like people think like Asians are crazy. You know, like you mentioned that earlier. Asians are crazy. Like, oh, look at this goofy Asian guy. However, I think the difference between this and something like William Hung, which also blew up, but in the wrong way. Right. I think the difference between this and that is that Sai is intentionally doing these things and knows what he's doing. And he also happens to be really talented and really entertaining. And I don't think that this is something that people can laugh at. Like they can. I mean, you know, if you're looking from it for, at it from a surface point of view, you can like kind of laugh at him and say like, ah, oh, goofy Asian, ha ha ha. But if you look just one layer deeper, which I'm sure both of you have already, you can see that he's really talented. He's crafted this like really fun visual and, you know, these really fun sounds. And he's just being himself. And even though he kind of fits into the stereotype on the surface, which makes him more palatable, um, this is actually him and he can't actually sing. He can't actually dance. And, you know, once you look under that layer, you're like, wait, this guy is the real deal. And he (laughs) makes fun songs. And this is really catchy. Therefore, on a second level, he's even more appealing than on the surface. Yeah. I mean, the dude can dance. (laughs) There's no (laughs) doubt about that. Uh, And and yeah, and he can sing. And, you know, he 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 writes his song. He went uh, he seems like a, a like a multiple threat. He went for business administration school <laughs> and then, yeah. you know, then eventually dropped out, went to Berkeley, Berkeley College of Music instead. And which obviously was the right choice. Uh, but <laughs> yeah, the dudes, the dudes a beast, no doubt about it. And hey, back up for one second. I do want to talk about William Hung just for a second. I, I mean, yeah. I know that's a that's a completely different thing, but I love William Hung. That dude, if people were, wa- I, I and I'm, I'm sure you're right. I'm sure that a majority of people were watching William Hung in way the wrong way, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. like making fun of him. But what he said after that was 
amazing. Like that was one of the best things I've ever seen on TV right after. And I forget the exactly what he said, but basically it was like judges had ripped him apart or whatever. And he just basically said like, you know, I did my best. And I thought that was like the most amazing thing. And I think I like to think that that's why he became a household name and not because of the ridiculous uh, She Bangs performance. (laughs) <laughs> no, I, I think it's a really important detour because it, it contributes to kind of the widespread like overall impression that Western audiences have of Asian Americans and Asians in general. Yeah, true. Um, and in that way, I think it, it actually does intersect in the way that these Asian faces get put on, you know, national live TV or, you know, radio play, that sort of thing. And it really forms an impression within the minds of Western audiences that are not familiar with Asian folks as much. And I think it's a topic worth worth discussing. And I don't mind if it went off topic. Like, (laughs) I certainly think that there's, you know, they they went viral for different reasons. But there's I I think there's some similarities over there. Yeah. And I mean, you know, and now, just as you said, Sai kind of like opened that door for Korean music, for K-pop. BTS became... And what's crazy about BTS is I can't tell you one song by them, which is oh, yeah. dude, Mike dropped his fire. I'll tell you that. Much. Okay. Well, I'm, I, I, I do know, That's the one I know <laughs> they have, they have a song with Halsey that I know, but it's because it's on the Halsey album. But that being said, they, they are literally like the biggest band on earth. Right. I believe yeah. that might be like quantitatively true that, that just their sales and everything. Are I didn't just, look into this and I probably should have now that we've brought it up, but like, not only was like Gundam style was the first YouTube video to hit a billion views. Right. But it's now, it's now currently the seventh most watched music video in YouTube history. Uh And I have a feeling that at least one of the six above it has to be a BTS video. Just being friends with people. Yeah. Like being friends with people who are hardcore BTS fans, they pay so much attention to the views and like, how they're how that band is trending like my friend literally called out of work when a new music video dropped because she felt like it was her duty to watch it over and over and over again for 24 hours (laughs) to bump up the amount of plays to make sure that it was the number one trending thing on youtube like that's like damn dude chris you need punchline to get to that i know (laughs) we need fans like that you drop everything you're doing and only watch the video for the next 24 hours yo i do have to say i have to give we all have to take a moment and give a lot of credit to K-pop fans for how much they have been fucking with Trump. Yeah. I just oh, God, it's so that, good. That is <laughs> the most amazing thing. You know, I might not be that familiar with a lot of K-pop artists, but man, that makes me want to dig in deeper <laughs> and, just, about, and just get into it. Yeah, the thing about K-pop stands is that, like, first of all, I don't even think like, well, I mean, there were probably fans, honestly, like when I was growing up in Asia, I know that there were people who were really, really into K-pop, but like it was really kind of more of a regional thing, you know, like Chinese people loved it, Japanese people loved it, you know, Fil- Filipino people loved it, you know, it's, it's all like this regional like K-pop craze, right? But like when it went international, I think that was what started the K-pop stand movement where you see the people who are like so committed and they're always posting fan cams on Twitter. I don't know if you've seen those things, but usually they just post like a video of like one of their bands like dancing, even when it's irrelevant. But all they want to do is like share the video of them dancing. Right. So that's like the fan cam culture, you know, surprisingly and or maybe not surprisingly, 
a lot of like the K-pop stands that have like come out of the woodwork since K-pop went went international, partially due to Psy, is they're surprisingly very leftist. Like they're they're very activist. They really care about social issues, and a lot of them are young, which can contribute to that. But they also like using their platforms and their community communities to uphold uh, social movements, like Black Lives Matter, for example. Doesn't that uh, give you hope? Doesn't that yeah. give you a lot oh, of hope yeah, at a very right. dark time? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I think it does. And like these people being, uh, you know, objectively a lot younger than I am now, I think that they're a lot less cynical than I am. And I think that they're helping in their own way. And if K-pop stands want to like flood like a Trump ticketing site and make them think that they have more people attending when they actually don't, like I'm all I'm all for that. You know, it's great. It's great. <laughs> you know, I saw I saw people like arguing that that's not what happened or whatever but come on now that's what happened they were they were smart <laughs> they, you know I, I think that that republicans just don't want to admit that they got played by k-pop fans but yeah oh, can i ask can i ask a dumb question real quick that sure. i'm sure you guys have the answer to where does stan stan what does that mean as opposed M&F. to is that it's because of M&F. that yeah. is that really yeah. because of that yeah, yeah wow. it's, it's when you're like a super obsessed fan to the point that you want to emulate them I, I see. That's what I thought it was. But I was like, no way. There's no way they turned the name of that song into like a descriptive thing for a super fan. But OK. All right. That it's was what I thought it was. It's actually it's actually distanced itself from its origin. Like, I doubt that if you ask any K-pop stan, where does the word stan come from? Like, I doubt that anyone would know. But like us hip hop fans, like we know where it comes from, you know, like yeah. no one <laughs> used the word stan before Eminem came out with stan. Great song, by the way. I, I thought that someone had just told me that like in jest and then i i believe that's why i had to ask if there was like a deeper meaning to that well anyway one thing lex we we like to look at for perspective on here is what else was going on in music at that moment that allowed sigh to become the hugest thing in in the world at that time and dude 2012 was pretty good for, for music, music right when I, yeah when i look at this it's like fun we are young great song yeah carly ray jepson call me maybe there we go great song. that was another great one to wonder ish oh come on now <laughs> carly ray's had some other hits <laughs> I'm, 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 a bit, I'm a bit of a carly ray stan i will admit there you go <laughs> um, but carly ray she i mean she just has hit after hit she has that I really, I really, 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 really like you song has Tom Hanks in the video. That has to be. <laughs> so it's funny because like I'm looking at the list that I sent Chris and like I remember this time on the radio because it felt like, you know, the, the four biggest songs were four songs that I felt like you could not escape that year. And it was We Are Young, Call Me Maybe, Maroon 5, One More Night and uh, somebody that I used to know. And I felt like no matter ah. where you went. Like if you walked into a building, one of those four songs was playing on the radio inside that building at any given moment. You know, these are songs from my youth. You know, it's funny. I, <laughs> I turned 18 that year and I think that's a really formative time in my kind of like music curation, music appreciation time. And I remember those songs very fondly because they remind me of like the be- beginning of college. Hey, you. Do you have any plans this year? 
<laughs> How's that going? Did you get 2020? Well, welcome to a brand new podcast called 2020, where myself, Benny Goodman, and my good friends, Corey Pazin and Siobhan Cronin from the band Lost Symphony, also got 2020. And since the world ended this year, we decided why not just check in with some of our friends in the music industry and see how everyone's doing. We're going to get a candid look at life on and off the stage, as well as the mindset of some of the most successful people in the entertainment industry. New episodes drop every Sunday and Wednesday at 9 p.m. Eastern. And you can listen at 2 020-D.com, SoundTalentMedia.com, or on your favorite podcast app. Hello out there! Yes, hello out there, everyone. I'm Hal Schwartz. And I'm Flynn McClain. Together we host None But the Brave, a podcast dedicated to the music and career of Bruce Springsteen. Bruce and E Street Band are on tour right now for the first time in six years, and we're taking a detailed look at what's happening on stage in our bi-weekly episodes. We've also been recently joined by some very exciting guests, including rock journalist Warren Zanes and Stephen Hyden, Backstreet's Magazine founder Charles Cross, and Barstool's Kirk Menahan. If you're a diehard Springsteen fan, this is the show for you. So please subscribe to Nimba the Brave on your favorite podcasting platform, and we hope to see you further on up the road. Thank you so much! We'll be seeing you! It was a, a lot of times we look at these years and we're kind of like, oh, God, I see why this song took off. But this year, I mean, so it's kind of extra impressive that Psy was able to break through with a I'm not going to say it's a bad song. It's a fun song, but yeah. it's also a silly song. It's yeah. it's it's a novelty song. Um, oh, hey, I know I keep getting my, my brain goes in 50 different ways. But what does Opa? What's Opa? Great question. So Open Gangnam Style. Opa is a term that it's a slang term it's like an endearing term for korean women to use to refer to like older brothers older guys like you know guys that are a couple years older like you know the way you would refer to like a senpai in like anime or that sort of thing it's like an affectionate way to refer to like an older guy like someone that you're attracted to and so when Sai says open gangnam style what he means is he's referring to himself in the third person. He's like, your big brother is Gangnam style. <laughs> okay. so really, yeah. The behind the scenes on One Hit Thunder is that the guest picks an artist. And then I, you know, while working with that guest, curate a playlist for Chris, the guest and myself to listen to, to ch- kind of get a vibe of the artist outside of their one hit. And I can't speak for Chris, but I... And Lex knows because I was messaging her all week about it, <laughs> really fell in love with size music. Like there are some songs that are just super fun. I love it has an incredibly just like fire beat. Like I love the music for it. I remember you was really, really good. And I really like the song New Face. And I actually knew one other song by him, which was Gentleman, which I think is like yeah. low key, a better song than Gundam style. <laughs> um, but it was yeah. also kind of a hit, right? Yeah, I mean, it, it reached number. Uh, let me see. I think it hit number, number five, five on the Billboard Hot 100, which is crazy. Yeah, so no one's really remembering Gentleman too much right now. But but Gangnam Style will be popular for the rest of our lives. That will be played at weddings and at wherever you know clubs and things forever. So that's why I would would consider him a one hit wonder that is the one hit although number five that's that's kind of a hit <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, yeah, that's yeah. big yeah 
I would say that definitely some like smaller splashes that he made, um, but like that uh, Gangnam Style is definitely like the international like breakthrough thing. So I think it's like fair to consider that that's like a that's like an international one hit wonder. Like it fits that description. I mean, he had a song with Snoop Dogg too, and that song did not. That song only hit two sixty six. No, no, that's that's incorrect. Uh, I saw that in the oh. notes. This is it actually made it to sixty two. Okay, all right. I, I threw an extra six in there, but still a minor, <laughs> a minor hit. In in comparison, but not not quite as bad. I was gonna say like, damn, two sixty six. That's that's a major I, but drop. But we've talked about this before of like the potential of some songs only becoming a success because they're kind of riding the wave of the hit that came before it. Yeah, and yeah I, for sure. And I think Gentleman is definitely like falls into that category. Like I think if Gentleman was released three or four years after Gundam style, we wouldn't be saying that it hit number five on the Billboard Hot 100. Yeah. Yeah, (laughs) there's one I think actually happened. I think Psy was just kind of doing his thing. Like, he is unabashedly himself. That's one of the reasons why I love him. He's definitely one of my idols. He just, he's not concerned about conforming to the perfect standards of K-pop, which is kind of ironic that he actually opened the door for K-pop in in the Western world. Uh, he's definitely not the standard K-pop person that you would think of. He's not like, you know, young, chiseled or, you know, uh, picture perfect or anything like that. But what he is, is like super authentic. And he does his thing. He likes being goofy. He enjoys being who he is. And when he was making Gangnam Style, he was being who he was. And once it blew up, he wasn't expecting it to blow up. He talks about it in interviews all the time. He's, he's like, oh, it just, it just happened overnight. I, I bet that he and his team definitely felt pressure to follow up to that release while still maintaining that authenticity that he's been doing for so long. So I think Gentleman's kind of like a mixed product of that where he followed up Gundam style success was writing the coattails a little bit. And yeah, it did moderately well. Like, you know, it has like a billion views on YouTube. I think it was like a good follow up. Now, what ha- happened with Hangover with Snoop Dogg was like, I think that was Psy being like throwing caution to the wind. He was like, fuck it. Like, I'm I'm just going to keep being myself. I'm just going to do whatever I want. I want to work with Snoop Dogg. Like, let's see how say, this if goes. you had the opportunity. Yeah. <laughs> Every single one of us on this call can name at least one person where if we had even like an ounce of success in the career that we wanted, we'd be like, well, fuck it. I'm going to try to hang out with this person for a little bit. Yeah. I'm going to try to get that guest vocal from Bjork. <laughs> uh, and one thing that I do want to mention that is in our notes about Psy is that what sparked his love of music was seeing a performance of Queen performing Bohemian Rhapsody, oh, which, which that's so good. Kind of, yeah. I mean, could you possibly be inspired by something better? I don't even know if it's possible that you could be inspired by something <laughs> uh, better than that. And it makes sense. You know, yeah. Freddie Mercury's this bold, larger than life person. Yeah. Larger yeah. than life. And Cy did that as a dude who doesn't necessarily, you know, uh, just like Lex was saying, doesn't necessarily look like this chiseled front man you'd expect, but, but he, it didn't matter. It was, it was the song. It was who he was more than what he looked like. It, it didn't, it didn't matter. It didn't matter. There's something about Cy, and I won't say it in a musical standpoint, but in like a personality trait that like the more I researched him, the more I was like, this guy's kind of punk rock. Yeah. Like he does not give a fuck. Like (laughs) I love that. Like in the early life 
portion of his wiki is a quote from his teacher that was like, I kind of hated him as a student. <laughs> <laughs> like, and just was like, all he would do was like make sexual jokes in the back of class while I was trying to teach. And I was like, God, that just seems so badass. Or like the way that he just kind of snuck his way out of having to do the mandatory military service and then they were like (laughs) like he he like oh no i'm doing this thing i'm working for this company so i can't and they're like okay cool and then he like continued to put out music and win awards and they're like that's not the thing that you said you were doing you have to go to the like like there's just so many there was another thing where it's like he dropped out of school and used his tuition to just buy all the instruments that he needed so that he could get into berkeley like that's Oh. So many weird things that I'm like, this dude is someone to idolize. Yeah, for sure. freaking icon. Like, I, w- I would definitely say that he has this punk rock ethos. Just like, I don't give a fuck. I'm going to do what I want to do, you know. And I, I think that he also gets a lot of, you know, it makes sense when he was that he was watching Queen because he's got this like really charismatic stage presence he's like i'm gonna be myself but i'm also gonna be like the most entertaining and like energetic showman possible yeah i guess maybe you touched on this a little bit earlier lex but Hmm. was he already a star in korea though yeah for a while before this song i think this was like his third or fourth album yeah okay because you said he won awards already okay yeah i don't know the degree at which he was like you know a really really big hit I just know that when the when I heard Gangnam Style, I hadn't heard of him before as like a a Taiwanese person, but like within Korea, I think that he was probably like at like a legend status. He was kind of oh. like I think people consider him sort of like the father of K-pop. Um, wow. Where I don't know if he like established K-pop, but he's kind of like this like dad figure in K-pop. That's that's what I figure. So he already had that legacy. He already had that title before because yeah, because the music video is a very like. I mean, that looks like a million dollar music video yeah. or, you know, <laughs> so looking looking on his awards portion of Wiki, his first nomination was in 2001 oh, uh, wow. for best new male artist. And his first win was in 2005 for okay. best video. Wow. Oh. So, yeah, he he'd been doing all right. In South Korea for the South Korean Music Awards. I feel really bad for not knowing who he was before that. But I mean, I guess, you know, how would I necessarily be exposed to it? Minus digging on my own. It wasn't like I knew anyone who listened to him. So that's impressive. And that's I mean, I would say that's I would say think about the fact that like in all of the other countries in the world, there's probably a number one best-selling artist that none of the three of us have ever heard of and know nothing yeah, about, I'm but sure. they're like yeah. a superstar there. You know what I mean? Hey, Lex, I, I always bring this up on here is, you know, and, and I'm sure you can relate to are how much I like the people that get this one hit after they've had this long career and you know that they've put the work in and and it just, it's so much better than the people that are like, Oh, the first song they ever released, they were put together by a record label. And the first song they ever released was this huge hit. And then they just disappeared. Like, I just like these people that like had this, like put the time in and and paid their dues. And it sounds sounds like Psy really paid his dues. I mean, if you're saying he best new artist, he was nominated for that in 2001. That means 11 years later is when he had this 
massive worldwide hit. And that's, yeah. that's cool. He put I mean, I think it just goes to show that you can see success at any age and you should just keep creating content that's authentic to you. That's like, that's the mantra that I live by too. I think that, yeah. you know, you shouldn't be concerned that, yo, you're getting too old or that sort of thing. Now there is one exception that I uh, want to raise in contrast to your point that, you know, someone's first hit becomes their first song. I think Lil Nas X is pretty awesome. Like, I think like when he dropped old town road like i it was it just it was just like the 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 storm the summer song of 2019 and like his follow-ups are great he's got great music videos really high production quality and he's just like he's also super authentic super punk rock just complete memester he's amazing at twitter amazing on the internet like he's like i think he's like a modern day icon where i can really see this kind of like sigh level like don't give a fuck so I really respect that guy yeah and I feel like little Nas X is going to be one of those dudes where I don't think that he's ever going to have another hit like Old Town Road but I think that he will be fine like I don't think that he's going to be like one of those one hit wonders where everyone's like oh whatever happened to him like he's struggling so (laughs) yeah like he's so talented and so smart and so young yeah that I could see him maneuvering into like other fields outside of music and continuing to, to go. Yeah, like, he, he's set for life. I'm sure of that. He, dude's a genius. Like, you really. That EP <laughs> was so good. I know. Like, <laughs> I, I remember listening to it when it came out. And I was like, all right, let's see how this is just going to be seven songs that sound exactly the same. And I was like, oh, no. No, no, he's trying all types of crazy stuff on these seven songs. That's I mean, what I love. Yeah. You, you know, I love that he fucked with the country radio and stuff. Like, that was yeah. amazing. <laughs> yeah. Oh, just exposed the pure racism of the country yeah. radio yeah. station. Absolutely. Yeah. And that was badass. I do have to say, I'm, I'm not really a fan of the actual song. <laughs> I, I just, the, the actual song doesn't do it for me, but the, everything else about that dude. I think is awesome. So I'm going to ask this question and I'm going to say in advance that it's also a little bit of a segue, but would you potentially throw a little Nas X into the genre of nerdcore and tell us about Lex, the lexicon artist and nerdcore music? <laughs> yeah, I would. I would definitely say that some of the things he does are nerdcore and definitely in the style of nerdcore that like I enjoy. And what I mean by that is like he embodies the ethos of nerdcore. And I actually think that Psy also embodies the, the ethos of nerdcore, which is like, just be yourself. Like, really don't care about uh, commercial viability or, you know, looking pretty or that sort of thing. I mean, Lil Nas X is a pretty guy, but all, all that aside, I think they really just do what they want. Obviously, with major label backing behind them, they're able to make these beautiful music videos. And really quick tangent here, I think like one of the great things that I love about K-pop is that they've always been on the forefront of like production like all the music videos look great all those all size production sounds amazing and professional like i can't really say that for you know some of the you know some of the new uh, taiwanese music that's come out you know I, I know this this sounds this sounds bad but like i think a lot of taiwanese music was trying to emulate the k-pop sound at the time and um some of it really didn't succeed and yeah i think like you know, K-pop was a really good um, kind of tastemaker for, you know, the way that things should sound. But anyway, going back to what we were talking about, I think that they had the resources to make things sound good and look good, but none of that would be really meaningful without the personality behind it, right? Like, I don't think Lil Nas or Psy would be as interesting 
if they didn't have this like charming, charismatic personality, just being very unabashed about things that they like and think that the way that they want to be seen. And as far as Lil Nas X specifically, I think he definitely takes after some, you know, like nerdcore aesthetics. Like, let's say like the, the music video for Rodeo, for example. I'm kind of spoiling this a bit, but he has Nas show up dressed like Lawrence Fishburne from The Matrix. And it's it's great. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's just like he he loves cosplay. I think that's in the music video for Panini, he it, it's this entire like cyberpunk kind of thing where he does this dancing, but in this like futuristic world that's occupied by holograms. And, you know, I think a lot of that fits into the kind of nerdy, nerdcore artist aesthetic. And the way that his humor is, is also pretty nerdcore as well. As far as the way that he interacts with people on Twitter, he's like a meme person, right? He's very meme He understands the modern meme discourse, whatever that means to you. Uh, and he <laughs> knows how to be funny. And I think a lot of like nerdcore artists in my community, community are also funny in that way. So yeah, I would definitely consider some of the things he does to be have a nerd aesthetic. That is a good point, because like, I think of as cool as it is that Psy got to do a song with Snoop Dogg and Little Nas X got to do a song with Nas. Both of those guys, I feel like in the grand scheme of things, would probably have more fun hanging out with like an MC Chris or an MC Lars or or someone where I feel like they would just be geeking out about the weirdest <laughs> Yeah. The weirdest stuff. Like, yeah, definitely. I think I would agree with that. I think that even a lot of the artists that we we think about who are not nerdy, like I, Snoop Dogg or um, Nas, for example, like or even like Cardi B or Megan Thee Stallion. But Megan Thee Stallion is very obviously very nerdy because she really likes My Hero Academia. I think <laughs> that all of these people probably have like something that they're nerdy about. If somebody didn't have things they're nerdy about, wouldn't that be the most boring person on it Earth? It would. And there are a lot of people like that. <laughs> I always jokingly say, like, you can't convince me that Wu-Tang Clan's first album isn't like early nerdcore because it's just like comic book references like kung fu movie references like it is just stacked with deep cut geeky references yeah out the ass it sounds a lot more intimidating than like mc chris or mc lars but like yeah. lyrically the content is almost exactly the same yeah that's a good point i i can't imagine being able to even have a, a, a conversation with somebody that i couldn't talk about like I don't know, Studio Ghibli movies or like what shows you're binging or what whatever. Like, and and you know what's crazy? Yeah, you're right. Sometimes I guess I have met I've I met a couple people like oh, that this week. There are a lot of I, people like that. That yeah. are just vap, yeah. vapid people. Like yeah. I, I can't imagine. I can't imagine being like that. That sounds like the most boring existence. I think and, that as I mentioned, there are a lot of people like that actually who are having a really t hard time during lockdown because like they can't go out to the bar they can't go out and drink and like their entire existence is we go to work we get out of work we go to happy hour we go home and we watch tv and that's it and like that's like their entire existence like they're i remember hanging out with some people and like they didn't know what fan fiction was i was like what <laughs> like, i just it, it was just like a like a revelation to me that we live in this really special bubble where we like geeking out about things but some people just don't have interests and there are actually a lot of people like that and 
you know, people who don't have interest, what do they do to fill the time? They they drink. <laughs> well, well, I do that too, but I'm still. I still have the. I still. I still can't imagine not being getting geeked out about certain things. You know, at Wait, least I can't least, either. Uh, well, I think that but, that's uh, the, like the thing that's the hardest for me during lockdown has been like losing conventions, and yeah. it's and it sucks because those are also like given the state of everything, the thing that I'm like least comfortable going to until like there are some serious changes um mm -hmm. because they're very unhealthy places and you leave sick from them anyway but like so many friends of mine so many like podcasting friends or just regular friends i've made just from interacting with somebody at a location where you're already there because you all love horror movies or you all love comic books or you're all like really into you know, retro video games or whatever it is, it's so easy to just start up a conversation with a stranger versus like, I don't know, you're not just going to be sitting at a diner and just start talking to someone a couple booths away just for the hell of it. Like, yeah. like you don't yeah. know where the starting point is. You're it's not going to talk about place. death note. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Exactly. It's a great place to make friends and it's a great place to drink. So <laughs> there's something yeah. for everyone. <laughs> hey, so we got to just, I, I, I don't even know if we need to ask this for this episode, but we always talk about whether the song brought the one hit thunder or if it was a one hit blunder, do we even need to go there on this one? I think that we might all be on the same page. Oh yeah. Lightning struck with this. This is one hit thunder all the way. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, yeah. Hey, this has been really nice talking to you, Lex. I like that you brought a unique perspective. You got to experience, well, you got to experience it. Like this song in two different places, right? Or you basically, you say you were, you were still in Taiwan when this came out, but then you moved while this song was still popular. Was that, was yeah, that like a month said? later? Yeah. Wow. So, yeah, it was, it was, uh, yeah, the, the timing thing was a little hazy, but yeah, I, I think I did get to experience this in two different places and see the impact that it had in two different places. Well, that's great. And thanks a lot for, uh, coming on and wish you all, all the best. And hopefully that we're, hopefully we're all, you know, playing shows and going to conventions and doing all that fun stuff. Uh, I don't know. I hope a year from now, but we'll see. I think it'll be less than that. I think it'll be, I think it'll be like end of this year, beginning of next year, but don't hold my promise on that. Let's wait I for like, the scientists. <laughs> yeah. I like the optimism. I just don't like the people that are in charge of, uh, you know, making that happen. <laughs> so we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> I hope you're right. I hope so too. Well, cool. well, thank you for having me. This is really fun. This has been One Hit Thunder. One Hit Thunder is produced by Matt Kelly as part of the Geekscape Network and hosted by Chris Fafalios of the bands Punchline, Peck, and Another Cheetah. Underneath me is Party Hop by Lexi the Lexicon Artist, this week's guest. Check out our music on Spotify and literally anywhere else that you can listen to music. Also, check out Punchline's music at punchline.com. Let us know your thoughts on the show by emailing us at onehitthunderpodcast at gmail.com and make sure to rate, review, and subscribe to us on your favorite podcasting apps. Tune in next week for another episode of One Hit Thunder. I don't want to buy another glass of wine, I got time. Make the party got a late start. I got to leave at 12 because I got to make part. I just want to take part in all the cool shit in town. Pulling up the hell and move shit around. Wipe that crown, not your face. It's time to make the rounds all over the place. But first, we leave quietly without a trace. To fight the party bound to the outer space. Come on. 
You're listening to the Geekscape Network. Hey, what's up? This is Blake Wyland. I'm the host of the Tone Mob Podcast. It's a show where I interview guitar people about guitar stuff. We talk about their pedals, their amps, their accessories, their preferences, all that stuff, as well as a healthy dose of whatever comes up. Topics have ranged from aliens to addiction and anywhere in between. Oh yeah, and pizza. We're definitely going to be talking about pizza. So get the show wherever you're listening to this podcast at. Just search The Tone Mob in your search bar and it will pop right up. Come join us. We're having a lot of fun. Thanks for checking it out. I don't think it overstates things to say that the Beatles were the greatest gift to entertainment and culture of our time, a secular religion, if you will, with their universal appeal and demonstrable impact on people's lives. I'm Robert Rodriguez, host of Something About the Beatles. With every episode, I speak with historians, musicians, artists, and Beatle witnesses, all in the service of fresh insights into the most joyous cultural entity the world has ever known. I hope you'll join me and listen to something about the Beatles, now on Evergreen, and wherever you get your podcasts.